Amen. Amen. What's up, Excel? I like that. I like that. Hey, before I jump in, y'all mind if I give my family a shout out? They're watching online. Hi, Josie. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Luca. Hey, babe. Love you guys. They're going to feel like they're amazing. They're like, oh, my gosh. Some of my, my little nieces and nephews, they think I'm super popular. They're like, Theo, Joey's on TV. I'm like, mm, YouTube. But, you know, um, if you don't know me or if you haven't got a chance to know me, if you haven't been to church on Sunday, first of all, you should come on Sunday. It's a great time. Uh, but if you don't know who I am, uh, I have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor of this amazing church. And before that, I think I had an even greater honor and privilege of being the youth pastor for Excel for over 13 years. I was in it so long, not only was I your youth leader's youth pastor, I was your youth leader's leader's youth pastor, okay? That's how long I've been in the game. And uh, it's always great to come back to my forever youth ministry, as I like to call it. And I'm just so grateful for each and every one of you for what God is doing in this ministry. I'm grateful for Pastor Izzy and the amazing work he's done. Can you give it up for your youth pastor, Pastor Izzy? Love you, bro, if you're watching. And so we're so grateful for this opportunity, though, uh, for many of you to really get to know some of the other pastors in this church, because this is something that I've always believed, and I want to make sure that you understand. Excel is not its own thing. It is a part of this church here called Belmont Assembly of God. And we are so grateful because the reality is we couldn't exist on our own. We have a wonderful church that believes in the next generation and puts in the resources and the finances to really make sure that you have the greatest experience you can and so that you can have a space where you can bring your friends and the people that you love to have the same quality encounter with God that you've gotten to have. And so for me, we'll always be, as long as I'm the lead pastor, we are always going to invest in you, the next generation. We're going to make sure that should the Lord tarry, that we continue to build up the kingdom of God because that's what God has placed on our heart. Now, we are in the middle of this series, right, called Habits. And if you haven't picked up on it, we've been doing an acronym, right? So we started with H. Can anyone tell me what H was about? Okay, nobody paid attention. Good stuff. Anyone remember? Leaders, people? What was H? We're going through habits. What was H? Huh? Hanging out with God. What was A? Accountability. And today, we're going to talk about my favorite topic. We're going to talk about the Bible. Today, we're going to talk about having a Bible study. Now, I need you to understand something. This is one of the greatest resources that God has placed in your hands. Okay? This book will transform your life like nothing else. Matter of fact, Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? Through the word of God. How do we know? I get this question all the time. Well, how do you know if God's talking to you? God's voice will never contradict God's word. You want to know how God speaks? Read his word. You want to know what God wants for your life? Read his word. You want to know what God is calling you to? Read his word. This life is a massive test, and God is giving you an open book. Can I just be honest with y'all? You're a special kind of dumb to fail an open book test. You know what I'm saying? Like if the teacher says, hey, you got a test today, and it's open book, and all the answers are on page 72, and you still fail the test? Papa, you special, special. Okay, like you really are struggling. Ain't nobody going to be able to help you, okay? You got no child left behind failed you, and we got to make sure that you catch up. God has given us a literal open book to help guide you in life. Because of this book, there's no excuse with, well, you don't understand the family I grew up with. No, 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 God's giving you instructions now. It doesn't matter what family you grew up with. It doesn't matter what you were taught. It doesn't matter what you were shown. You are a new creation, and God is literally giving you instructions on how to live this incredible life. 
Now, before I get into the importance of reading the Bible and all that, let me just give you a couple things just quickly, because I know a lot of people struggle with the Bible. You know, you get things like, well, you know, how can we believe the Bible? It was written by a man. Okay, pause. All your books are written by men, dummy. Like, that's a dumb excuse. It was written by a man. You don't say that about your trick book. You don't say that about your English book. Like, every book is written by man. Now, here's what I think makes the Bible unique when it comes to that. The Bible is a collection of books. It's not one book. It's 66 books. It's a, Bible is like a library of books. Okay? These books were written over a span of 1,000 years by 40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages. And yet they coincide together as if it were just one cohesive story. If I asked all of you to write about love, I'd get 79 million different ways of thinking and philosophies and processes. But the Bible echoes the same story because even though it was written over a thousand years by 40 different authors in three different continents and on three different languages, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit one and the same. So this is the inspired word of God. This is what God has given us to live the life that he's called us to live. There is nothing greater that you can have in your hands to help you get to where God has called you to be. The only excuse for you being ignorant is a lack of desire or effort to actually pick up the book and read it. That's your only reason. So if you're sitting here going, I just don't know what to do with my life. What's the book say? Well, I don't like reading. Cap. Because... If you, if you took all of your text messages and you put all the posts that you read and we just put it all in the book, it's thicker than the Bible. You read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. It's just what's catching your eye and what are you putting your attention to? I would submit to you that if you dedicate yourself every day, you don't got to read the whole book in one sitting. You got your whole life to read this. If you dedicate yourself every day to being diligent, and reading just a little bit, just a little bit. You'll get the whole thing. And then when you read the whole thing, read it again. Because another beautiful thing about the Bible is that it's living and active. What does that mean? That means you can read the same thing your whole life and get something different out of it. I, listen, I've been reading this Bible my whole life. And there are still things that I look up and I'm like, I know I've read that a million times, but it feels like that's the first time I've ever seen that. You know why that is? Because even though the Bible doesn't change, you do. Your comprehension, your understanding, your ability changes. Y'all ever seen a cartoon that you watched when you were a little kid? And, and when you're older, you see the same cartoon and you realize there was like a dirty joke in there. And, and you laughed as a kid, but you didn't know what you was laughing about. And then you look at it now, you're like, oh, that was inappropriate for me at five years old. What, the joke didn't change. That's a rerun. You've seen that episode, right? That's, you're streaming it all over again. You changed. Your comprehension, your understanding, your maturity and so as we grow in our relationship with God, we also grow in our understanding of his word and the application of his word and the impact of his word on our life. I'm telling you this because I've done this long enough. There is not one of you who will maintain their faith without reading the word of God. There is not one of you who will be able to grow spiritually and ignore the word of God. It is critical to your life, so much so, that in the book of Deuteronomy, which is in the Old Testament, it's one of the five books of Moses, God gives the nation of Israel some incredible instructions as they're getting ready to enter into their promised land. Right? God has set this land apart for them. Uh, Israel just came out of slavery in Egypt, and they're getting ready to enter into this promised land. And in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 through 20, God gives them this incredible word of instruction. Listen to what it says. The title of this is Guidelines for a King. It says, you're about to enter the land the Lord your God has given you. 
when you take it over and settle there, you may think we should select a king to rule over us like other nations around us. By the way, God never wanted them to have a king. He realizes because of their human nature, you're going to see everybody else with a king and you're going to want one. So he gives them instructions just for their own dumbiness. He says, if this happens, be sure to select as king the man the Lord your God chooses. You must appoint a fellow Israelite. He may not be a foreigner. The king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself and send his people to Egypt to buy horses. For the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. The king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. And he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth and silver or gold for himself. And here's where I want you to really hone in on it. When he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. What is he talking about? I need him to write down the word of God. And you need to do it in front of the priest. Why? Because there were incredibly detailed rules on how you would copy the scriptures. The scriptures were so holy that you can write the whole chapter of something down. And if you put the wrong syllable, the wrong punctuation, misspell something, the entire scroll had to be burned. Y'all know how mad I would be if I'm like on the last word of the last part of a whole book of the Bible and somebody like bumps my elbow and I write it wrong and they're like, sorry, Joey, we got to burn the whole thing. I'll burn the whole building down. Like y'all set me off on that one. But that's how critical it was, right? So he's saying, listen, he's got to write it down. Why? You ever notice that you remember things better when you write it down? Hey, don't just read it. We want you to write it down and do it in front of the Levitical priests. Then it goes on to say, he must always keep that copy with him and read it. What's the word up there? Say it again. How much? And read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. And it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. If he holds on to this word and he reads it carefully and he does it daily, there's going to be a mighty impact in his life and in the life of his people, and in the life of the next generation after him. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down just three things that the scripture here is telling us are going to be a benefit of daily, regular reading of your Bible. And the first one is this. God's word will keep you faithful. You want to ensure that by the end of your life, you're still serving God, you're still faithful to your relationship with the Lord? The word of God is what's going to keep you faithful. No relationship is sustainable without communication, right? Some of y'all got best friends that you had in kindergarten, and you ain't talked to that person since kindergarten. And so you don't consider that person your best friend anymore. And it's not even anything bad that happened. We just don't talk. And so somebody that you lose communication with, you also lose relationship with. It doesn't mean I don't like them. It just means we just don't have, we, so let's say you run into somebody 10 years after you used to be friends. It's awkward. Because you're completely different people. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you run into them somewhere and, and you see them and you're like, I know I know them. Like we were in third grade together. And, and they know they know you, but you're both feeling awkward. So what do you like? Just pull out your phone and like pretend like you're scrolling. And just don't make eye contact. Just walk past them. Why? That used to be your best friend. But you don't talk no more. And because you don't talk anymore, you've lost relationship. You want to be faithful to God? Read your word. 
You want to be faithful to who God called you to be? Read your word. How am I going to be faithful to the life that God has called me to live? By knowing what the life God has called me to live. Listen, 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 5. It says, for David had done what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and had obeyed the Lord's commands throughout his life, except in the affair concerning Uriah the Hittite. And we'll get to that a little bit later, what that means. His whole life, though, the majority of his life, with the exception of that one moment, he was able to stay in line with who God called him to be because he followed the Lord's commands. You cannot remain faithful to God and then not be faithful to his word. Daily reading of the scriptures. And again, this is, and I've talked to Pastor Izzy about this, and we're in agreement. We're not going to treat you like babies. We're not going to prevent you from having strong theology and deep biblical understanding because it's too hard for you. Man, some of y'all are taking calculus and trig and all these complicated alpha courses. You can handle some Bible. But listen, this, this doesn't, it's not osmosis. I'll just put it in my head. I'm like, oh, soak it in, God, soak it in. No, I got to pick it up. I got to read it. I got to apply it. I got to live it. And I cannot be faithful to God if I don't read his word. Now, as you begin to read his word, you begin to grow in your understanding. You begin to develop a, a real understanding of who God is and what he's done. Inevitably, what may happen if you're not careful is you can get a little arrogant about yourself. Because, you know, I know some stuff. I grew up in church. I'm this, I'm that. But one of the things I love about the word of God, as we saw in the story that we were just reading in Deuteronomy, is that not only will God's word keep you faithful, but God's word will keep you humble. God's word is going to keep you humble. Right? That he will learn to fear the Lord, obeying the terms of his instructions. This regular reading will prevent you from becoming proud and acting as if you're above your fellow citizens. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, once said, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Man, you're always going to think you're better than people when you're always looking down at people. And you don't realize how many people are actually above you, let alone how much higher the Lord is above you. See, when you read God's word, you can't help but be humbled before God. You can't help but, but know the truth. You know why? Because God's word never lies. The Bible tells us in the book of James that the word of God is like a mirror. That, that when you look into the word of God, you get a clear reflection of who you are. Listen, mirrors don't lie. When you look in the mirror and you see that big old dumb pimple on your forehead, and it's, you know what I'm talking about, like when it's real ripe, like it's just that perfect round, a little bit of white, it's about to burst, and then you get kind of like, I just want to see and you give it the little squeeze. And you, you know it's bad when you squeeze from over here because that's how big the pimples done got. And so you're doing that little squeeze and inevitably all over your mirror. You're like, oh my gosh, that's disgusting. The mirror don't lie. You can't be like, oh, I ain't got nothing. Yes, you do. You got a third eye on your forehead. Everybody sees it. You don't notice it though until you look in the mirror. So you might think everything's going great. And then suddenly you look in the mirror and you see the truth. Listen, you can't get arrogant. When you open this word and you recognize how great God is and how short you fall to that. Keeps you humble. Keeps you right. Keeps you from being arrogant against other people and thinking you're better than anybody else. Listen, you can't be racist and read the word of God. Because you realize, man, there is no Jew or Greek. We are all one in Christ Jesus. 
You can't be chauvinistic or misogynistic when you read the word of God because you realize we're all created in God's image. You can't look down on other people culturally because you realize that Christ died for all nations. See, as you read the word of God and you recognize that the King of kings and the Lord of lords came down as a baby, humbled himself, well, who am I then to get arrogant? How can I boast about things that I've done when the one who's done it all put himself beneath that? See, Jesus sets the tone. Child ain't never going to understand that. You don't pick up the book. Some of you, you struggle with pride, and it's not even necessarily pride as if you're better than anybody else, but you just think nothing's wrong with you. Guys, when you read the word of God, you realize everything's wrong with me. I'm a jacked up human being that is saved by the grace of God, and I am grateful for that saving grace because unto myself I couldn't do it. But the more I read the word of God, I'm humbled, not humiliated. I'm not ashamed. I don't, I don't feel terrible. I'm humbled. Why? Because as lowly as I am, a great and powerful God loved me enough to die for me and let me get close to him. That's humbling. That me, who does not deserve it, received everything that God would have for me. You know, when I read the word of God, I get emotional because I'm humbled that someone so great would love someone so not great. That someone who's messed up so many times would still receive grace after grace after grace just because of how you feel about me. And the word of God continues to echo that. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 through 2. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They are everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. You ever had somebody at school who's a little, you know, a little arrogant? Maybe they got a nice little whip or, or, or nice clothes and they're trying to act like they're better than you. And like, oh, I got this, thing, I got these shoes, I got new that, I got new that. I'm like, shut up. You ain't got no money. Your mommy and daddy have money. They, that's their car. That's their registration. Stop strutting like you got something unless you're like a drug dealer. And even then, your life stinks, okay? <laughs> Listen, we can't get arrogant about anything. Because what do we have that God can't take away like that? The earth is his footstool. So who are we to start getting, well, God, if, if you don't do this, God, then I'm not going to serve you. Who are we to make any demands of the Lord? Have you read this book? Do you recognize how undeserving and, and how just, God just needs to remove a little bit of his fingertip and your entire life will fall apart. See, as you keep reading the word, not only will it keep you faithful, not only will it keep you humble, but here's key, man. Number three, God's word will keep you holy. What does the word holy mean? Holy means to be set apart. Okay. I got some, some new jump men's on right now. Um, these jump men's, I, I bought a year ago, right? These shoes are as high as I can kick. I bought them a year ago. Brand new. Why? Because they were in the box. I never touched them. I forgot about them. I'm going to be honest with you. I bought them when I was in Israel. I brought them back and put them somewhere and I just forgot. Them. I found them. I was like, oh, snap, I'm going to wear them today. Why are they so clean? Because they were set apart from everything else. They weren't touched. They weren't trampled. They weren't hurt. And some people are coming. You always got nice shoes. Can I be honest with you? They're all in my office in the box. I only put them on when I preach. And then as soon as we're done, I'm going to go take them off and put the dusters on and go home. Why are they clean? Why are they smooth? Why do they stay that way? Because they're set apart. Those shoes are only for preaching the word of God. 
And when I'm done, I put them back in the closet and I keep them set apart from the shoes that I walk in every day. When you read the word of God, he's going to have you set apart. See, a lot of us, we think, well, I don't want to be different. I want to blend in like everybody else. No, 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 no. You are saved by grace and you are unique unto God and he has set you apart from everything else. Not just because you're different, but because you're special. Things that are set apart are different. You are to be a holy nation unto God, separated for his glory. So that when God needs you, he can pull you out of that office and put you on. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 27 says it like this. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. See, you're not holy because you tried hard or because you keep showing up here. You're holy because God has set you apart. And he's washed you clean in the water of the word. What does that mean? That means the spot of sin that was marking all of us has been washed away when God's word was completed on the cross. That means you and I don't walk in our guilt and our shame and who we were. That means no matter who you were before you said yes to Jesus, I don't care what your background was. I don't care what kind of things you did. I don't care if nobody ever knew about it. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you were washed in the water of the word. You were set apart. You were made holy. You were put on a pedestal. And now we as the body of Christ are the bride of Christ. And you know what? I've been married to my bride almost 10 years. I let you do a lot of stuff to me. You talk about my bride, we got other issues. Pastor hat comes off. Old school joy gloves come on. You're like, I'll lose my job for her. She's my bride. It's my wife. Jesus is saying you, collectively, as the body of Christ, you are the bride of Christ that he sacrificed a great deal to receive you. You ever, you ever paid for something out of your own money where you saved up a lot and you bought something? It's different how you treat that. It's special to you. Right? You treat it differently because you understand the value of what you paid for it. You may not be valuable even in your own eyes, but Jesus understood, I gave my life to give you value. And so I set you apart. You are not like everybody else. You were never called to be like everybody else. So when everybody else does some ta ta stuff, that ain't you no more. Well, everybody else, who cares? That ain't you no more. Well, I don't know why you always get on me, everybody else. You ain't everybody else. You are a holy nation set apart for him. Well, I mean, I'm, I, I'm young. I got to enjoy my year. Shut up. You are a holy nation set apart. How can anyone see Christ if you look like everybody else? Jesus set you apart so that you would stand out, so that those who are still struggling in sin and death would see you and inevitably see Christ. See, I can say that all day long. But until you read this for yourself, you'll never fully get it. You'll never fully understand how incredibly special you are until you read the story of what it costs to get you. you never understand how forgiven you are until you read the story of how messed up you were. You'll never fully understand the heart of God for you if you don't read the love letter he sent you. It all hems on this. As a matter of fact, if you like coming to Excel or church in general because you love when the pastor's preaching, can I just give you a little secret? All we're doing is reading the Bible and then explaining it to you. 
That's all a sermon is. Now, we might throw in some extra authors and we might give you some fancy word and a few jokes here and there. But at the core of a message is the message of the Bible. And anybody who preaches you anything other than this, ignore. Because we preach the truth in the word of God. You want to get a sermon in your life every morning? Pick up the book and read every day. Listen, and again, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. Read a paragraph. Read as much as you can understand. I get a lot out of a sentence. I could preach a whole sermon on a word. Ain't Trust me. And that's not because I'm gifted. It's because God speaks through even just one word. And so when you open the word of God, you gain the voice of God. What we read in Deuteronomy was hundreds of years before Israel eventually got a king. The first king was Saul, who disobeyed God's commands and was replaced. The next king was David, who was faithful to God's command, except once the one time resulted in the murder of one of his soldiers. While he should have been at war, he was in his palace, and the wife of one of his soldiers was bathing up on the rooftop. She knew what she was doing. This wasn't an innocent lady. David is overcome by lust, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, brings back her husband Uriah, tries to cover it up by getting him to sleep with his wife. Uriah is such a dope soldier where he's like, no, man, I can't be with my spouse when the rest of our army is out there fighting. I'll sleep on the porch. And so what does David do? He sends Uriah on the front line and has him killed to cover up his sin and shame. The one time he went outside of what God was calling him to do is the one time he messed up incredibly big. So much so that his, that affair resulted in a baby and that baby re- ended up dying as a punishment for his sins. And then the next child to be born with that same woman was the third king, King Solomon. And you would think at this point he would do what Deuteronomy was explaining. Obviously he had that book and Solomon ended up breaking pretty much every command that we read in Deuteronomy. He had many wives and mistresses who led him away and caused him to worship false gods. He hoarded wealth and overtaxed people, and he eventually led the kingdom of Israel into a massive split and eventually into exile by a foreign kingdom. And then Israel was lost and silent for over 500 years. Not a word was spoken to a prophet or to a person. God was completely silent until he sent the one true king in Jesus. Jesus came and fulfilled everything we read in Deuteronomy. And we see that in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. You want to know Jesus, you got to know the word. John 1, 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory and the glory of the Father's one and only Son right here. And John 1, 17 and 18. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is, who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. And how did we receive that revelation? Through the word of God. Listen to me. Really hear this. If you have any intention to grow in your understanding and your relationship with God, There is no way to work around this book. Now, there are a billion resources now, more than we've ever had since this book was written. 
to explain it to you, to walk you through it. There are leaders here who will gladly answer any questions you have, who will give you reading plans, who will teach you how to process it. The only thing that's lacking is desire and effort. And one more thing, maybe. And honestly, that's sin. You might want to write this down. It's important to remember. This book will keep you from sin. But sin will keep you from this book. This book will keep you from sin. But sin will keep you from this book. The more you dive in, the less you desire the sinful nature. The more you dive in, the more you feed your spirit and starve your flesh. You have all the answers to life's greatest mysteries. It's an open book test. And you cannot afford to fail. And that's why God sent it. Because he's given you everything you need through his spirit and his word to succeed. And not just that, as the scripture tells us, to be more than overcomers. Amen? Can I pray with you tonight? Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. And I thank you for everyone in this room. And God, I can give every illustration. I can hoop and holler and get excited. I can read off as many scriptures as possible. But Lord, you know there will never be a substitute for an individual who daily sets time apart to dig and read your word. So God, I pray for a passion and a desire to know you, God. Lord, I pray for a hunger for your word, Lord, because we know that the hungry dog gets fed. God, I pray for a spiritual hunger, not someone who's just standing there going, I wish I was better. I hope I was better. No, God, I pray for a hunger to know you, God, to trust you, to love you, to get closer to you, Lord. And God, I pray that that hunger would in turn turn to picking up this book and reading it daily, God. Even if they don't fully understand what they're reading in the moment, Lord, that they would be committed every day to being consistent, God. And what you've called them to do. And Lord, I just pray that whenever they open that book, that you would give them fresh revelation. I pray that you would give them understanding. God, I pray that you give them wisdom beyond their years. God, I pray that they would receive exactly what it is that you're trying to speak to them in that moment, God. And Lord, I pray for the transformative nature that comes from reading your word to become evident in their lives, God. That they would be faithful to who you are. That they would be holy and set apart, Lord. And that they would be all that you called them to be in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you because you didn't leave us to try to just figure this life out on our own. You gave us every tool necessary to be successful at being all that you called us to be. And so we have no excuse, Lord, to not get closer to you and to grow spiritually in who you've called us to be. We thank you for all this, God, and we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I got one more thing that I want to share with you. If you notice, these instructions were given to the future king. And this is important to recognize even today that the body of Christ is bigger than Excel. That the kingdom of God is bigger than the castle of Belmont. We are part of a global initiative of believers, of men and women who have been called and set apart to seek and to save that which is lost in this world. And the Bible tells us 
that the Lord will one day return, but not until everyone has had an opportunity to know the name of Jesus. And there are literal millions of people across this planet who have never even heard the name Jesus, who have no idea who that is or what that means. And our charge as believers is to spread that word as quick and as far as we could possibly do it. One of the most important critical ways that we do that is through missions. You've heard a lot about that, but missions is the global initiative that God has placed on Christians to spread the gospel. Not just here, but across the world. I need you to know from your lead pastor how deeply and incredibly proud I am of what you guys did last year when it came to missions. Can I just brag a little bit? Because I don't know if you fully understand what you did. Okay? You, this youth ministry, actually ranked because they, they kind of add it all up. Within our fellowship, the Assemblies of God, hundreds of churches across the United States, over 13,000 churches, you were number 48 among the entire nation in giving to Speed the Light. <laughs> Top 50, number one in Illinois by a long shot. Top 50 in the country. Your name is on a list. <laughs> People recognize what you've done. And I'm talking about, listen, you're among people, churches 10 times our size, youth groups 10 times our size. But when somebody puts their faith in God and trusts him to do what God has called them to do, you can move mountains, as scripture says. Can I tell you, because you got the number wrong the last time Pastor Izzy announced it. Matter of fact, our, our actual numbers came in this week. You guys raised... 43739 $44,739.49. Guys, Excel, in all my years, and I started coming here at 15, I turned 39 in two weeks. In all my years, we never touched even half of that. Not even close to half of that. And you guys did it in a year. Why? Because nothing is impossible when God's people collaborate. When you come together and your heart is on the mission of God. That means that we were able to contribute above and beyond the project that God has given us. And we were faithful to what God called us to do. Now listen to me because I need you to understand this. Praise God for that. But it's 2024 now. It's not 2023. You just set a new bar. So what are you going to do now? Listen, anybody can have a blip on the map. Anybody can do it once. Right? Even a clock, a, a broke clock is right twice a day. That ain't hard. Can you be consistent? Can you go to new levels? Pastor Izzy and Pastor Evelyn and I were at a, a missions retreat where we were praying and seeking God for a new project that he's placed on our heart. And I want to share with you tonight what that new project is. Last year, we were working with Project Rescue, rescuing uh, women and children from sex trafficking in central India. This year, we are partnering with the Assemblies of God Foster Care Network. In a moment, I want to show you this video, and I want you to keep your eyes on the screen because I want you to get a taste of the reality of what it is going on in our foster care system today and what you and I are going to do to fix it. 